Hi, my name is Andrea, and you're listening to Author Chat. This podcast is dedicated to interviewing indie authors and creators while discussing their unique works and what they have planned for the future. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I look forward to your listening. Cheers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Author Chat with Andrea. I'm your host, Andrea Rose Washington, and I'm the indie author of Adlathea, The Alindo Series, and Amatree's Magic. Today, I am joined by the amazing and hilarious author, Ben Mariner. He is the author of the Apocalypse Wild series, The Many Lives of Zane Montgomery, The Tales of Cubonia series, Harold's Call, and An Honest Living. Welcome, and thank you for joining me. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am excited to talk to you because I think this is maybe the second time and like we've known each other for like five years, four years off of Twitter that I've actually heard your voice. <laughs> you, that's two more than most other people. So <laughs> we are living proof that not all internet friends are fake. So, you yep. know, exactly. Um, I think if I'm remembering correctly, I think I first when I first joined like Twitter as as Andrea, um, I did like the writing community tag and then like I met Christina through it. And then like she retweeted something I said, I think. And then I met you. And then I remember I saw one of your covers. And I was just like, who did your cover to your book? And then I've been talking oh, yeah. you know. I, I <laughs> Didn't you end up doing a cover through him? I've done, well? yeah, I, yeah. He has done the cover for um, all of my books. Adelithea, oh, really? both the Lindells, and um, Amatree's Magic. Yep, he has... Yeah. He's like doing so many now. Um, yeah, he's I put him on to other people. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, he's awesome. I, I love Hampton. He's fantastic. Um, I put him on to other people and they all asked, how did you find him? I was like, oh, because I saw one of my friends on Twitter post them and I was like, who did this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was sad. It was sad actually to redo the cover for that one. Um, but it was just... The tone of that book is so lighthearted and fun, but the cover, like I was finding when people saw the cover, they thought it was very serious and dark. Um, so I had to just kind of shift it up, but he did such a good job of it. I completely understand that because they always say you can't judge a book by the cover, but yeah, you somewhat always get an idea of what the book is about from the cover. Yeah. And I did buy it off of your old cover and mm. I still just love the story anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Once you start reading it, you understand it's very different than the way the cover looks. But I was at a few cons and stuff, and people were like, "Oh, this looks really like serious." I'm like, "Oh no, it's not at all. (laughs) You will not." uh, Yeah. See, there's the new cover, which matches much better. But it is also still a great cover, um, and it still sort of tells you a little bit more about the story and the world that you're diving into than the other cover did. So I like them both. So I think both of them will still work because the story, in my opinion, your story was good enough to still read if it didn't match the darkness I thought the book was going to be. I'm like, oh, this is still just a, this is just an amazing bunch of characters, a new world, a well-written. So yeah, it was great. I still liked it. And it's still probably one of my top 10 books. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that means a lot. Wow. Thank you. No problem. I love reading things from indie authors. So um, a lot of my top books are from people who aren't 
or people who aren't in like the mainstream who are indie authors. Um, so yeah, you tell the first one from your series, Tales of Cubonia, that's in my top 10 of fun reads. I can like read it in a day, but like only because I don't want to put it down versus it's such a quick read, you know? Yeah. Um, so you have a lot of books out. If I did my math correctly in my head, which I'm not great at math, you have like nine, 10 books out or 11? Um, oh gosh, uh, I think it's, it's definitely double digits. It's 11 yeah. or 12. Yes. Okay. 11 or 12. Um, yeah. so why did you decide to start writing first of all? Um, uh, you know, I just kind of, uh, I, I've kind of always enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, even as a little kid, um, my parents had this old electric typewriter that sat next to the phone which was a landline so that's how long ago that was um uh and i, I love just typing stuff and i remember writing little stupid you know i was eight nine years old um and uh just writing stuff on that and i i've always kind of liked writing uh and i i kind of stuck with it through high school um like with the papers and things that I wrote, most of them were, were massive lies that I just made up on the spot to, uh, it was like, tell me about a time. And I was like, okay, well, I don't have a time, but I'll make one up for you if that works. <laughs> yes, that works. <laughs> yeah, and then it just kind of carried on. And once I left high school uh, and I was living on my own, I was just kind of sitting around doing nothing. And I had one of those old massive computers that had the big CPU next to it. And, um, I would just sit there and, and write stuff for fun because I had nothing else to do. And eventually I had a really good idea for a story about a guy who slept through the apocalypse. And uh, and then that's, that's kind of what kicked it off. And so that is his first book, Apocalypse Wow, which is, yes, wow. Like you think <laughs> dystopian and you're just like, oh, okay how do you like when you think dystopian you think something similar to like the hunger games or you think something to like the tv show um i think when like all the power went out like you think something a lot really really dark and heavy and like oh gosh i'm gonna get attached to this character and it's gonna die but apocalypse wow is still a dystopian world and it's still heavy it does have some like heavy themes but it is overall a laugh out loud, fun, enjoyable read because there's so many different like um, 90s references you throw in there and like a lot of jokes are for us um, and by us, I mean our age group. Um, so it's it's a fun read and it's a different take on dystopia than you think it would be if you ever saw it through any other medium. So you say you were bored writing it on your computer, but like what brought the entire series like together? Like when did you decide, okay, I'm gonna take this from a fun story idea to this is now gonna be the series and like the launching part of like all of my writing? Um, it's hard to say uh, when I finished, okay. So there, an original draft of the first apocalypse wow book uh, was finished in, um, it was like 2004 or five. Um, so way before the the most recent. It was very different. Uh, wasn't in first person. Had absolutely zero 90s pop culture references in it. <laughs> um, and the ending of it was very final. Um, 
and I, I just kind of, I guess I just didn't like it very much. Um, and then I read um, Ready Player One, and I was like, oh, okay, well, this is, like, I loved it. I burned through it in, like, two days because I liked it so much. Um, and I, I, it just kind of, like, struck a chord with me. Um, so I, I basically, I, I didn't really scrap the whole first draft. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the bits and pieces are still there. Um, but it, I pretty much rewrote the whole thing from scratch. Um, and it, when I got to the end of it, I was like, yeah, I don't want to make it so final. I don't want to just have one book. This was a lot of fun to write. Um, coming up with like the, uh, you know, the chapter track for each chapter and the title that's uh, specifically referencing something from the 90s. Um, it was just a lot of fun. So I didn't want to stop. Uh, and so I left it open ended and um, it just kept going. And um, once I was finished, I was like, I had a lot of fun. I just want to do more. I want to write more. I had a lot of fun with these books um, and I just want to keep keep on keeping on. So I think the first one that I read from you was, I think, the Tales of Cubonia. I don't know why I cannot pronounce that today. <laughs> um, I tell people about it all the time. Um, so that is sort of a shift theme-wise, story-wise, and almost almost like concept-wise from Apocalypse Wow. Um, and it takes place on a fictional world, which we all mm -hmm. love fictional worlds. We all love fantasy worlds. But where did this one come from? Because it's not really like, in my opinion, at least, it's not really close to Apocalypse Wild in story at all. Like, I think yeah. I feel like Apocalypse Wild was more book dystopian. And then this one is like, oh, let's go on a journey. We're going on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Apocalypse Wild was definitely um, more personal. Um, there, like the relationship between the main character and his his lady, there was definitely from a more personal place. Mm -hmm. uh, and this one was just it's just fun. Uh, I lo absolutely love fantasy books. I, I was huge into Lord of the Rings in high school uh, when the movies came out, and I read all the books like three or four times because they're fantastic. Um, and I, I just, I, yeah, I just wanted to write like a fantasy book, uh, and the concept. For the um, the storyline, at least um, about a princess that gets kidnapped by a witch, and then somebody has to go save her. Um, that was actually many many years ago. Uh, I used to when I got bored, I would ask friends for um, like a person, place, and a thing, and then a genre, and I would just write a short story for them. Um, including those things and then that genre and uh, somebody I, I don't remember what the person place and thing was um, but they said fantasy and it was kind of a short story um, that was basically the exact plot of the golden hourglass um, and so I, I always kind of liked it and eventually I, I, I kept going back to that idea and it, it, it just kind of developed and grew and and um, the cubed planet is uh i kind of got that from reading the Discworld series by terry pratchett mm -hmm. which is on a flat disc planet and i was like well that's super cool like it's not just a normal round whatever like it's something outside of the box and i love that and i wanted to do something similar and 
I guess a cube is the first thing that popped into my head. Like, what's the most interesting thing? But it, but deciding that it was going to be a cubed planet also made the decision that it was going to be six books, each of which were going to take place on a different side of the planet. Um, good choice with that one because I think I I read. You have you have asked me to proofread. I think it was the third one. I want to say. I think it was the third one. I don't want to say the storyline too much because I, I have the habit of like revealing everything. So. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, and even though um, the one that has like basically the X Men version, that's all oh, I want to yeah. say. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's right there behind me. Oh, is okay. Is that the third yeah. one or is that the second one? That's the third one, yeah. It was the third one. Because yeah. um, I didn't read them in order. And I, that's one thing I actually like about this series um, is that you didn't really have to read them in order. You can read them in whatever order you wanted to um, because each story was sort of independent of each other. And I thought that was a great take on it because it is all a series. It's all something that sort of flows together because it all takes place on the same world but there's no particular order that you have to read them in. And I like that because I think I read the third one before I read the second one. So it's like, oh, am I going to ruin something for me? You're like, oh, no, you're not. It's going to be fun. Yeah, so do it. Yeah, yeah um, that's, and that's the thing with that series. What I wanted to do is everyone has that fantasy series that goes book one, two, three. If you don't read them in order, you're completely confused. And um I, I wanted to write books in a series, but I didn't want to be constrained by the same kind of like with Apocalypse. Wow. The storyline goes through all three books. I didn't want to be like constrained to that kind of a format. I just wanted to write fun stories. Um, you know, and you'll see different characters pop up throughout the series and different books and in different places and times of their lives. Um, but they're never on the same kind of story path. And that's, uh, that's one of the most fun things about writing that series is that I can just do whatever the heck I want. I don't have to keep with any kind of timeline or anything like that. <laughs> so speaking of that, how did you keep that separate in your head? Of I know for myself, just trying to remember all the characters from book one for book two, and then where I left them off was already hard enough. So like, do you have, I, I have what I call like my master book of like mm -hmm. all the characters that I've put in every single book. So that way I yeah. know one not to use that name again but like, two, <laughs> right. like they can't <laughs> like i can't have them alive if i killed them in another book so yeah. how do you how did you plan to keep all of that straight or did, are you just able to keep that all in your head oh no way uh like for the first two um i i was able to keep it pretty straight uh, because there wasn't a lot to work with um, mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot that had already been mentioned um, but once I started branching out to the other ones, like I got to do something else. I can't keep all the straight. I can't keep going back to these documents and doing a control F and, and looking for something. It's, yeah. too, it's too cumbersome and time consuming. So uh, I have a, like a master doc of everything I went through and I, I reread all the books and mm -hmm. wrote down all the characters and places that were mentioned and any little tidbits that I might want to bring up later. So I have a huge document that's uh, full of that kind of stuff to keep my head straight. Well, that's good because I will say this. I was very, very Hebrew in the very beginning of my writing when I wrote out of the Thea that I could remember everything. 
and I will never forget a single yeah. doc, I'll never forget a single thing about my book because I wrote it. What do you? Yeah. And then I was talking to someone who was uh, doing something else for it, and they had captions about a character, and I was like, I have a character named that in my book because <laughs> I hadn't gone back and looked at the document, and it's just like, okay, let me go ahead and make this because even though that one is a standalone. And I don't have like a sequel plan for it. It was still just like someone asked me a question. I was like, I don't yeah. know who you're talking about. Like <laughs> one of the, like that person's in your book. Oh, he is, isn't he? Okay. <laughs> well, when you write it, years and, and years go by, like I don't remember what's in there anymore. It's, it's like I long. know the overall story, but yeah. like I told, oh, I forgot that storyline was in that one. It's so great. <laughs> um, <laughs> like you think you would remember everything because like you created it, but oh no. So um, what is your writing process like when um, you go from start to finish when you're trying to do a book? Because you have Apocalypse Wild, which is a series. So you had to do one, two, and three in order. But then you mm-hmm. have the Tales of Cubonia, which you don't technically have to write in order, but like you are, but you know the stories don't have to flow in the same timeline. And then you have like a couple standalones. So like, how do you plan your writing when it comes to all of these different stories and like the way that they're paced and everything yeah i mean i don't really plan anything it just kind of happens <laughs> um i used what? to i i used to just especially with apocalypse wow i was a lot younger and I was, I was still new to it i was so excited to be writing and um like i kept going i I finished all those books in pretty quick succession because i was like really excited to write them um and Mm -hmm. i was just kind of going with it as it came to me um but nowadays i definitely um it's harder to find time to carve out for writing first of all uh so um i i kind of keep a loose outline of things you know if idea oh i want this to happen or i I need to mention this, whatever, I'll, I'll write it down on like a notepad or whatever uh, and come back to it. It's not like a very strict outline and a lot of times it gets deleted and, and forgotten about, but uh, I don't I don't really have a process per se. It's just kind of like, I'm going to write and then, ooh, I thought of a good thing. Let me write that down and maybe I'll come back to that if I remember that that's there, which I don't a lot of times. Um, <laughs> Even when I write it down and I'll get to the end, I'm like, oh, I forgot to mention that. And then I then I desperately try to go back and see where I can shoehorn it in, which doesn't always work. That is a definite issue I have as well. I definitely try to shoehorn in ideas that I think of after the fact. I'm like, oh, can I add that yeah. chapter in there? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. But if I do that, I'm going to have to change everything else yeah. after the fact. If it's like everything. A, <laughs> um, so I, I when I wrote um when I wrote the sequel to Lindell, I changed one sentence, and then in changing that one sentence, it changed the end of my it changed like the yeah. latter half of my book. Have you ever had that instance by accident? Because I changed the sentence um, and changed it by accident. I didn't plan it, but have you ever had an instance where one line just and you had to throw away like 40,000 words. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had anything that extreme. Um, with this, the most current Cubonia book that I'm in, kind of in editing on, um, I've definitely gotten to a point where I'm pretty much going to have to scrap like the last 10 chapters, maybe even more, um, and rewrite them just because I thought of a better way to go about things. 
Um, but I, I don't think I've ever had something that extreme where I've just changed one sentence and, and the rest of it all fell apart. <laughs> That's pretty intense. <laughs> it was a major character shift. And because of that, every time that character came up, things had to be different than how they handled it. Oh, I was so upset at myself for doing it. But like you said, it was like a better way of yeah. telling the story. Yeah. And so then you can become a rock and hard place. Do you change the story for better? Or... Do you keep a story that's still good, but it's not, you know, as good. not as good? And who yeah. would know but you? But, you know, yeah. unless you tweet about it like I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, if, if it makes the book better to you, then you made the right decision. So that is true. No matter how much work it takes. So we're going to go and talk about one of my favorite books from you. Um, and it's called A Hero's Call. And I'm so upset with you because even though I have no right to be upset with you because I have people yelling at me that I didn't do a seagull. Yes, for that one. <laughs> um, I didn't do a seagull for one of my books because I don't intend, intend to. A hero's call that me telling them I didn't have a story, I don't have a story for Adelthe anymore, which is why it's only a standalone, doesn't like you don't get that leeway. I need a sequel. So this one. <laughs> This one is your superhero. It's a different take on superheroes. And um, it's not like DC, it's not like Marvel, and it's not like the boys, because that's a whole nother genre going yeah, down. But really, it's like, I don't even know what that is. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a fresh retelling on superheroes in like a family setting. And I didn't really know what I was getting into when I read it. Um, I just like superheroes. And it was such a great story about family and friends and like believing in yourself. And I was like, oh, you go. Like, you got this. Um, when are we getting a sequel to that? I don't if, know. If we uh, are, you if will. We are. You will. I promise that much. So once I get wrap up the Tales of Cubonia series, the main six books, um, I am going to branch off and start, you know, returning to those um, one-off books that I wrote, wrote and never got back into the series, and that's probably going to be the first one um, because the the <laughs> the idea for it has been in my head. And, and the second book is like half written, um, but yeah. every time I try to like sit down and uh, get back to it, something that there's just a block there, and I think it's because I'm in the middle of the Cubonia series, and it's just like demanding more of my attention. Uh, like the ideas are more more fertilized for that. Um, but you will get it uh, hopefully within the next couple of years. Okay. Um, it will I, come I eventually. I, 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 I love the book. I love the idea. I love the uh, the alternate history mm -hmm. of, of the world pretty much yeah. uh, that involves superheroes. And um, so I, I do want to get back to it. And I, I do know there's probably like four or five books within the series that I have oh. in my head. Um, so, and I, and I kind of basically know how it ends, like the whole series. So I've <laughs> <laughs> abandoned it completely, um, but I will get back to it eventually because I do love the book and I love the characters and I loved making up superheroes. Like it's so much fun, their powers, their abilities, which in book two are, are starting now to evolve um and and grow into what you didn't see in the first book they're they're getting more things and um it, it's it'll be fun once i get back to it it'll be fun 
Awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, okay. So I'm going to ask you the question that I, I probably will ask every author that I interview because it's always asked to me at every Comic-Con when I am selling a book um, and I have more than one. So people are like, oh, well, I can only really get one right now. Which one's your favorite? I can never really answer that question because I always akin it to, you know, it's my child. It's, I created this. I can't choose which one I love the most. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite? And if you Absolutely. do, what is which one yeah. is it and why? Um, I definitely do. And I don't really have to think about that. Um, it's definitely oh. the first book, The Golden Hourglass, the first book in the Cubonia series. Um, it, it was just that book where... I don't know it just like opened up this entire world of imagination where like anything's possible um it, it, there's no rules it's a completely different planet it doesn't have to be governed by the same science that we use in reality um and like magic and monsters and sticky buns and it's just so much fun uh, to write and <laughs> Uh, like we had mentioned before, both big fans of the show Psych, and and when I was writing it, the the main characters uh, Broderick and and his little sidekick Adam are they're very Sean and Gus, and they're very much written with the intent of like Dulé Hill and and James Roday. If they were to ever make a movie out of that, that's who I want to play them. They're my favorite comedy duo ever and they would be um, amazing it's just it's so much it was just so much fun to write and and it's still so much fun to write um but that's what started it all so that's that's been my favorite book ever since i wrote it okay so the next one goes into my next question which i'm guessing is the same answer which one is was the most fun for you to write um, um it's actually not the same answer so oh, okay. uh, the Right now, the the fifth book in that yeah the fifth book in the in the Cubonia series, which uh, the first draft is done, and I'm working on edits. But um, so far, that's been the most fun to write because it focuses on um, the first book. It starts off with a goblin assassin trying to kill the main character of that book, ultimately dying himself. Don't worry, it's not really a spoiler because it's the first chapter of the first book. <laughs> It follows his whole life story and how he became an assassin, but ultimately gave that up for uh, learning how to cook, which isn't a something that goblins do. They don't care about. You are not going to make me care about this person. No, <laughs> <laughs> he's so much fun to write because he's 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 a goblin, so he's very violent, and he's. He, and he's an assassin, so every time he meets somebody, he's scanning them for weaknesses. And um, but he wants to kind of like shed that skin, that violent goblin image, to become a gourmand and learn how to cook and be the first goblin to um, join the gourmand ranks and actually become a, a chef. Um, and I, I'm just I'm really into uh, like cooking shows. My wife and I we watch them constantly, like Guys Grocery Games and Iron Chef and those competition shows. Um, so it's kind of a, that kind of works its way in there as well. There's a whole cooking, like competition underground thing that that is going on, which he's obviously going to excel at because he has been trained to kill. And <laughs> so it's just been so much fun to write about cooking. And then 
Um, this whole, because there's a lot of like racial, because he's a goblin and everyone hates goblins. So there's like mm-hmm. that component of it as well. So it's, it, there's a lot of, uh, uh, I pay a lot of homage to the celebrity chefs that I love, like Chef Amparel and Bobby Flay and uh, Guy Fieri. He's even got a character in there. And um, it's great. just been a blaster, right? Oh, I cannot. So I don't know. And I don't know if you know this. I don't really tell a lot of, well, I don't tell people anymore. Um, so I actually went to culinary school. And so I am very looking forward to this book because I want to read your take on culinary shows. I refuse, I'm going to let you know right now that I refuse to um, let this guy have a redemption arc in my mind. <laughs> All because of like his two pages in the first book. <laughs> I'm gonna be salty with him. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually. I did know that about you. I've seen you post some pictures and stuff, uh, and so I did know that. And you are definitely on the list for beta reading because I want your your take on it as well. So you'll be one of the first to read it. That's like probably one of my best, my favorite things about like knowing so many indie authors is reading their work before it comes yeah. out, um, and just to. Sometimes I'll admit, like sometimes it does take me a little bit longer to get through it because like if I'm if I'm in the middle of um something in a similar genre, I don't want to read it at the moment. So I only like read like high levels read to like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to get taking the ideas from your story and putting it into mine, but like, yeah. I also want to make sure I can get it to you when you need it done. Um, but it's always still so much fun. It's yeah. always so much fun. Yeah. And I cannot wait for that one yeah i love beta reading for people it's uh it's so much fun to see their work in progress and be able to lend a helpful hand if they need it which a lot of times they don't and um but it it is cool to see a book before anybody else gets to see a book it makes you feel special (laughs) yes yes i feel so special in our world this one is uh this one's i definitely feel like it's it's a fantasy book unlike any other fantasy book that anyone has ever written so uh, okay. i'm really excited to finish it and get it out there um I'm, I'm excited for it i am excited as well so you you've done something different than i've seen other authors do um at least authors i'm like personally familiar with so you wrote a book that's a sequel to someone else's series um and it's an honest living and it's a sequel to our, like our mutual friend Christina's book. Um, and the title of it is escaping me right now. I had it and I just lost it. Hers is a, a shot at the big time. Yes, a shot yeah. at the big times. And it's yeah. a different take on superheroes and villains as well, which is why I also love it. Um, and this one I think is a more is like more of a cross between like a PG G PG thirteen The Boys of like how it's not really you know. It's a profit in there somewhere, but um, how it was like sort of set up in a world similar to that, but like not as dangerous people, not as <laughs> right. Whew, there's some things I can't get in my head, my, my head because of the voice. But you wrote the sequel to her first book, A Shot of the Big Time, and this one I think it, it follows her brother of the brother of the main character from the first book. Right. How did that? How does that work to write a book? that's already in a world that's created, but you didn't create it. Like you're writing it for someone else. Mm-hmm. How did that come across? Um, it, that was actually really fun. Um, I, I actually don't remember whose idea it was for So 
Uh, Christine and I and C.B. Archer, who who's also written in the series. Um, He's the third one, correct? Yes, yeah. Um, we're great friends. Uh, we all have very similar sense of humor. Um, and I don't really remember whose idea it was to kind of like join. I think I might have mentioned when I read a shot at the big time, um, I really connected with Lane, who is the main character's brother, who this my book is about. Uh, and I, I really just kind of wanted to write a story um, because he, he felt like me. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I had like a personal connection with this character. It's like, oh man, that sounds like so much fun. And then um, ultimately she was like, okay, go and do it. Um, but I kind of defer to Christina's, you know, she gets final say on everything that goes into the book and, and everything about the world that she created. Um, I'm just kind of writing the books. Uh, so I'm kind of like, she's more focused on like the villains within the city that's running rampant with superheroes. And I kind of mm -hmm. focus on the uh, good guys while CB is deals with like the neutral people who have powers, but they don't take a side. Um, uh, I don't know, it, it's so much fun. And um, she's about to, or has released another book within the series. And I have an idea for another one as well. Uh, that I will eventually get to. Um, it's it's interesting. I I haven't really seen anybody do it either, sharing a series with other people, and it's led to some interesting conflicts on Amazon with like getting it uploaded and <laughs> connected yeah. with each other because it's not the same author for the, all the books. But um, it's been a lot of fun. I love working with both of them. They're so much fun, and they write such great books. Because yeah, when I when it first came out, I was like, "That's that's interesting." Because um, I've only seen, like, I've seen a group of authors do like a collection, but like mm -hmm. where none of the stories were actually related to each other, but they all had like a similar theme. Right. Um, I think there was one, a big one on Audible for a bit, where they had like six different like sci-fi fantasy shorts from like mm -hmm. names in the industry. Right. So it was a collection all together, but each none of the stories were connected. So I was like, "Oh, it didn't really matter." But this was very interesting. So I was like, oh, because then I don't, that's a good amount of trust that you guys have in each other when it comes to like writing in someone else's world. Because I feel like I'm so, so sometimes when it comes to storytelling, a nitpicker was like, ah, no, I need you to write exactly what I say. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, this is the feel I have for my character. Yeah. Um, um, it definitely takes it definitely takes some trust. And like I said, I, I always defer to Christina um, if I. Um, if I write something she doesn't feel fits within the theme of, of the world or whatever, um, she'll, she has no problem saying so, and I have no problem changing it. Um, and that's, I think, kind of what you need in that situation is to be mm -hmm. flexible and be willing to edit and change yourself. And a lot of writers are not like that. So yeah, that's probably why you don't see it very often. It is a very personal thing, writing, and it is very yeah. hard to... In the very beginning, you have to really learn to take constructive criticism well, and yes. then to take rude and like and to like throw away rude criticism. Yeah, like you understand there's a difference, and mm -hmm. then you have to like allow yourself to accept constructive, and then ignore the people who are just trying to be rude. And it's a very mm -hmm. thin line in the beginning that you have to figure yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta get you gotta get some tough skin. You gotta yes. be able to recognize when, like you said, when somebody's just trying to be an a hole. You just kind of like 
push them aside and you're like okay if, if you want to give me something constructive that i can work with beautiful i want to hear it mm-hmm. but if you're just like this is stupid i hate it like that's not helpful i don't care about your opinion <laughs> i don't really expect everyone to love my book but if you don't like it don't review it i yeah. have a um, <laughs> i have a line that i tell people when they buy my book at comic cons i say mm-hmm. if you love it leave a review if you don't just send me a personal email you're, you're <laughs> just let me know you didn't like letter. Letter, but like you, you don't have to post it. <laughs> um, so you know the thing is, I've actually found that like the negative stuff kind of helps. Um, it, it it lends some kind of credibility to it. You know, somebody read it and true. didn't didn't enjoy it, but it also makes people think like because I've read negative reviews, like okay, well now I have to check this out because yeah. <laughs> you know, I agree with this person or not. That is a true that is a true take because I do have a couple three star reviews where uh people have commented that they just it just wasn't for them. Like it wasn't a bad story, but it just wasn't yeah. for them. Um and those are fine. Those are fine. But I've also had like a five pager, like, oh, you just wanted to rip me a new one. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I have a I have a one star review and I'll probably remember this review forever. Um for um the many lives of Zay Montgomery. Um she was highly offended by some of the ideas that I posed. Mm-hmm. Um, just the so the book um, for anyone who's listening is is about a guy who has lived um, many many lives throughout history, and he remembers every single one of them. Um, and there there is one of his lives where he was the one of the three guys or or one of the two guys who was crucified next to Jesus. Um, <laughs> Oh my God, <laughs> she really appreciate that so much. No, and it was mostly not not necessarily that like I shouldn't have written it, but I I definitely took it at a humorous tone, like I do with everything, and that's yeah. not a humorous topic, and she did not appreciate that. So, <laughs> oh. I can definitely see some people having an issue with that, but I can also understand some people understanding that it's okay to make jokes about some things. Um, And it's all relative to, it's it's all relative to sometimes understanding was their intent malicious or was their intent to make people laugh and then to go from there. Um, So as we're nearing the end of this, uh, of our chat, what um, advice do you have? Like, if you were ta- if you could talk to yourself back at the first apocalypse while, like before you published it, um, what advice do you have for yourself now that you would have like told you there that could possibly help other people as well? Um, I don't know if I would give this advice to myself because I have always kind of followed this advice, mm-hmm. um, and it's to just to have fun. Like, if you're writing, like you need to be writing for the fun of it, not for mm-hmm. the money, because the money, especially if you're going the indie route, the money isn't going to be there, uh, at least not at first. Um, mm-hmm. And so you should be writing to have fun because when you're writing and you're having fun writing, then it shows. Your readers will be like, ah, this is fun. They were yeah. having fun. It's a fun book. I'm having fun because they're having fun too. Um don't worry about reviews. Don't worry about sales. Don't worry about any of that. Just write what you want to write and have a great time doing it. If you're not doing that, then you shouldn't be doing it at all. 
That is actually great advice. Um, and I, I try to live by that advice as well for myself. Of write, like, write what you want to read. Because yeah, exactly. it's, as long as you like it, um, that's good enough. Because I always have to remember, there are books that I don't like. That I'm like, okay, I didn't finish this because it's not my cup of tea. But this, yeah. because it's not my yeah. cup of tea, doesn't mean it's a yeah. bad book. Mm-hmm. So that is great advice. That is great advice. Everyone who's listening to this or whenever they do listen to this, take that advice when you're writing. Write for yourself, not yeah. what's hot right now or what's selling right now, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, write what you enjoy to read. Yeah, I don't. I'm. Mean, yeah, nobody was asking for a book about uh, the apocalypse laced with '90s pop culture nostalgia. Nobody asked for that. I wanted to read it. That was my thing. And like, this yeah. would be fun. So I did it. <laughs> and I'm glad you did because that's actually a re- reading it. I was in very disbelief. I'm like, what? What? What is this? This is not <laughs> what I thought. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's bizarre, and I know it's, but it's bizarre. Enjoyable, but that's though. It. Like, yeah. Once you get out of your head of what you think it should be, because it's dystopian, it's like, oh, I'm la- am I laughing at this? This is I'm, okay. Yeah. Next page. Okay, yeah. now I'm invested. I need to know how this is. What is he doing? What is he? Where, dude? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I I do love that series because it was it was kind of like Cubonia as well. Like there there are no rules. Yeah, um, the world has ended. It's mm-hmm. chaos, it's mayhem, anything can happen. And I I wrote it even in such a way that even the things that happen that are absolutely ludicrous and make no sense make sense within the world that's yes. created there. Yes. So it's I know a lot of people have read me like this is wacky and it doesn't make any sense. I'm like it does make sense. You just have to you just have to read it, you know, you just have to appreciate it and for what it is and, and keep going and suddenly you'll be like, oh, okay, I get it. You have to get out of your own head and yeah. uh, assumptions of what a dystopian is supposed to be. Because like I said earlier in the interview, in the chat, um, that you think of dystopian, you think of dark, gritty, yeah. like, people are like, oh my gosh, like, how are we going to survive? Oh, like, do we even want to survive? Like, do you want to survive yeah. an apocalypse? I don't know if I want to su- survive an apocalypse. <laughs> and then you get something, you're just like, I'm rooting for you. I love every single word I'm reading. What happened? Wait, how did you sleep through it? What? (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) And that's just like what I like to do with writing. I like to take a concept that nobody laughs at and make, and try to make it funny. Um, And one of these days I want to write a book about um, what really happened on the Lewis and Clark expedition, um, like which will involve, um, like unicorns and like all this crazy stuff that was ultimately just like pushed aside because nobody would believe it. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing that was put forth was like this basic scientific expedition <laughs> study of of the country that they're traveling through. But that's not really what happened. Um, that is going to be hilarious. There's and just I no there, to read that. <laughs> there's like no no true comedy from like frontier times and the colonial era and stuff. There's, and how would we have known? You weren't back there. We don't know what they did. This could have yeah. definitely. They could have. Yes, I am waiting for that book now. That's on the list. That has to come <laughs> after the Secret of Heroes Call, though. I just want. Oh to yeah, that. that'll be way down the line. I have to like research and stuff, and that'll probably never happen. So. <laughs> That research is something that I always take as a um, grain of salt 
Because sometimes I'm like, well, if I'm making up stuff, yeah. I don't want to know how it really works. But then sometimes they're just like, all right, you just can't go crazy if you have if you have it set in the real world. Yeah. Like and at some point, like yeah. you gotta have some real stuff in there. Yeah. But it's like, where do you draw the line of what do you need to research? And then at the same time, but I also want to do my own thing. So I don't yeah. care how the laws of physics work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when it's like a historical fiction, you, you kind of have to have the history at least somewhat accurate. Mm-hmm. Even if you're going to make some stuff up, it has to be at least somewhat within the confines of actual history, which is the part I don't like about it, which is why it's always on the back burner. <laughs> <laughs> that's why a lot of my stuff takes place either off earth or like in the fantasy part that the real people don't know about so it's like I can make up my own rules I'm like I exactly. didn't want to have to follow rules that were already yeah. made <laughs> yeah. you don't know how stuff works on other planets so you've never mm-hmm. been there you can't tell me I'm wrong because you don't know <laughs> you don't know how a spaceship would could stay hidden from all the satellites because they are more advanced you don't know exactly <laughs> Well, that is all the time that we have tonight. Hi, it's Andrea. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Author Chat with Andrea. If you haven't, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you are alerted to each new episode. I look forward to your future listens. Cheers.